The COVID pandemic has been a scary experience, to say the least. And with all this technology and resources that we have, we were unable to stop stop the spread of this illness. People are defying the regulations for the sake of greed. That, for want of a better word, it's about getting the finances in at whatever cost. But we are costing people's lives. and Nobody's going to realize that until it's you in that hospital bed with your oxygen coming out of a wall. Nobody is afraid of those things anymore until it's happening to you. On my way home, I had to just pull off on the side of the road on the M5 and I broke down. And um, it, it was deeply emotional for me. Um, it was not something that when I studied and aimed to be a doctor, um, I wouldn't, this is not something that I want where three deaths happen on a person's hands trying your best, putting more than 100% effort in whatever you are doing and yet it's still not good enough. The Western Cape Department of Health Head, Dr. Keith Clutie, says the safety of frontline workers remains pivotal as hundreds have died of COVID-19 complications. Coming to an end of a grim, mentally and physically challenging year, there's no reprieve for many as healthcare staff help tame the flames of the second COVID-19 wave. A new COVID-19 mutation cited as the 501.V2 variant has heightened fears. My bathroom breaks were just my breather, just to even to stand in the bathroom for a second, look in the mirror, just take a few deep breaths without they pull the mask out, take a few deep breaths and then back out again to the fray because you couldn't for a second stop. For 29-year-old Dr. Kristen Donson, who has just finished her two-year internship and entering her year of community service, explains what a day-to-day -day looks like at a military hospital in South Africa. Waking up when alarm goes off, pep-talking myself into a shower, <laughs> and then get, basically getting ready for the day and sort of already going through your mind, what are the procedures before you even touch your first patient, what still needs to be done ahead of that. For us, it was an issue when you got to the hospital, everybody got screened from the start at the front door. So if you're late, shame, you're late. <laughs> you just get to have to stand in that queue and screen with everybody else and then get to the hospital. Basically, the start of the day is do your, see your patients, do your ward rounds, attend your clinics, go to theater. And because I was in a military setting, any patients presenting with those symptoms required a swab because our defense systems could not have a whole unit downed because of, of COVID pandemic. So we have seen a lot of patients come through our tent um, because we needed to get those results out fast so that we could maintain the defense systems of our country, which is very, very difficult. I think a lot of us took as many opportunities as we could to even just step outside for a minute because otherwise the day would completely overwhelm you. You say, okay, just the next patient, okay, just the next patient. Your bladder is screaming, you need to go, you are hungry, you're thirsty, but your patients needed to be seen and there were many of them. We tried to downsize the amount of people, who's obviously across the board, elective cases for theatre were cancelled, clinics were downsized, but even then, the people that were admitted to hospital were the sickest of the sick that needed admission to hospital urgently. And so that became very, very difficult because now we were dealing with, on one hand, 
COVID-related infections, and on the other hand, severely ill patients with their chronic illnesses. Dr. Yu Shah Sali, who spent time at Rotiskir during the heat of the initial wave of COVID-19, details the difference between the first and second wave. But now that I've seen, you know, in the second wave, I've seen uh, as old as 42 years old, I've seen already 38, um, 35-year-old females that have passed away um, from COVID pneumonia as well. And I can say that, you know, it's, um, it's really struggling for myself to see such young individuals. I've seen people with no comorbidities. You know, just the only thing that they've had was that they've had a raised body mass index um, that put them at high risk um, for uh, COVID pneumonia to be quite severe. Um, and that's how I've seen uh, the second wave differed from the first and quite a rapid spread, I must say. I've seen entire families being infected with um, COVID pneumonia and I've seen majority of that family being hospitalized. Then I've seen um, parents, both parents passing away. Then I've seen children, you know, being uh, daughters and so forth and sons still um, alive. And that's how I see, uh, that's how I've seen the second wave differing from the first, you know, that is a rapid spread and the age group that has been targeted is of a much younger population. Dr. Sali describes how the pandemic has affected his mental health. I know that it's created with me deep sadness and this is, you know, evidenced by me many a times. I've come home with my, um, with my supporting wife being with me and um, I just, you know, after Maghrib, after Asr, I just, I would break down, break down in my uh, salam, my dua, at the amount of intubations, at the amount of failed intubations and the amount of um, deaths. If I can recall an incident where I was working within Khrotiskia and there were three patients that crashed at the same time. Three patients crashing at the same time and we rushed to recess each patient because all three of them were candidates for ICU, but unfortunately, um, they passed away. And, you know, it, it, it felt hard sore for me that I, I could do something more, you know, like these were, a patient, one of them were about 42 years old, another was 50, early 50s and late 50s, and I thought these patients were well-controlled, their comorbidities were well-controlled. One individual, the 40-odd-year-old, was just, he had, you know, he was just a bit big, never had any comorbidities, and I couldn't get it over my heart that these people had to pass away and it was something that was you know deeply hard sore for me and, and on my way home I had to just pull off on the side of the road on the M5 and I broke down and um, it, it, it was deeply emotional for me um, it was not something that when I studied and aimed to be a doctor um, I wouldn't this is not something that I want where three deaths happen on a person's hands trying your best, putting more than 100% effort in whatever you are doing, and yet it's still not good enough. Mother, wife and doctor, Atika Ismail, explains her toughest challenge as a Muslim female doctor. At the hospital, for me, the hardest part is becoming emotionally involved with someone and then seeing them pass away. I mean, every doctor chose this profession to help people and to be trying so hard to help someone is exhausting and tiring every day. And then to see, despite all your best efforts, the patient still passes away. 
you can't even understand how difficult it is to let the family know that a loved one has passed away. After any person passes away, um, the process is the doctor certifies the patient and then they have to call a family member to notify them. So, I mean, I've done this so many times before now throughout this COVID ward. And every time before I make that phone call, that phone call, I run through like a scripted message that I have in my head that I'm going to say to the family. But after that family member picks up that phone, it's so difficult and everything just goes out of my head and it's just gone. And I don't know what to say. And I just tell them, um, are you related to so-and-so? And this family member has passed on. Those phone calls, they're always very difficult. There's always a lot of shouting over the phone. There's always a lot of crying. And I mean, it's never, it never gets any easier and it's never easy to make those phone calls. Then added on top of that, say I've done all of that and now my day has come to an end. Then when it's all over, I go home. And then when I get home, I'm expected to be a good wife to my husband and expected to be a happy, energetic, playful mother with my daughter. And sometimes it becomes overwhelming. It becomes a bit too much. And um, COVID is just, it's just such a hard time on us all. Between laughs, Dr. Donson jokingly describes how frequently she rethinks her career choice. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Definitely all the time. And you wonder why you do it. And but something somebody mentioned to us the other day is your patients don't stop. That's what we have to realize coming into this career. There will always be patients. Every single day there will be patients, COVID or not. There will always be patients. And so you need to consider that going forward, but also realize that you, can, you are one person and cannot do everything at one time. Dr. Johan, working at a district hospital in the city, details his biggest challenge. To, to stay um, self-disciplined when seeing these patients, because after a point you start feeling like you don't care anymore, you just want to get the illness and get it over with. But um, to always remember to wear your personal protective equipment because it's not just for your own benefit, it's for everyone around you. And yeah, just to stay positive and to have hope because sometimes these patients get really sick and they, it just feels like there's no hope sometimes. But the biggest reward has been sometimes to see some of these really ill patients still recover um, despite having really bad odds. And it's always rewarding to see the smile on their face when they leave the hospital and they're just healthy again. Dr. Idar Javits, doing his second year of internship at the Kailicha District Hospital, shares the lessons that have come from the COVID-19 pandemic. I think the lessons we should all learn from this is to appreciate the time that we have with our loved ones. But most importantly, like learn how to protect them. It doesn't make sense to say you want to spend time with your whole family and all your friends but knowing that every time you go and see them and spend time with them, you could be infecting them, they could be infecting you, and that could be the last time you see them. Like We're fortunate enough to be in a time where we have technology to connect us with people all over the world. I think we should use that to spend time with the people we love. Um, our biggest role is the preservation of life, and that's what we should be driving. That should, that should be driving us to protect each other. Dr. Sali shares his view on the vaccine. 
So I, I, I really don't think the, the public should be worried about accepting a vaccine. And I know there's various um, crazy theories going around. And as, as I've heard of certain um, voice clips as well of certain ulama, which for me boggles the mind of how people can uh, make certain statements the way they do. But to I think that there's an offer here. There's an offer based on good evidence that um, it can actually um, prevent infection and, you know, create um, a long-lasting immunity to the virus. And there's great evidence. Yes, of course, there are side effects, possible side effects, which a minority of the population would get or at the risk of. And um, we don't know the long-term effects of this particular vaccine. But right now, I think if there's anything now um, that can bring us to a point where we can have a significant um, uh, proportion of the population to be vaccinated against this virus, which is causing many of our loved ones to pass away. Uh, I think we should take it. And especially, especially here, if there's good evidence. And this, I think as a Muslim doctor, I find myself to be very drawn to because I find myself to be an Islam that is an Islam that is a deen that is based on evidence. Lastly, Dr. Donson shares a message of encouragement to her fellow healthcare workers on the front line. Keep working together. I think it's, it's not about every man for himself, especially in our job. We have to work together as much as possible for the sake of everyone to benefit. And I just think, from my perspective, nursing staff are amazing. They go above and beyond. They are undervalued for the things that they do. But they have been doing frontline work for the longest time. Um, I was obviously afraid for our country regarding COVID because of our HIV and TB population as well as our high list of chronic illnesses. But I also knew that we've been doing frontline work a long, long time because of HIV and TB. Nursing staff have always been at the front lines. So I think just to continue doing what they're doing and to, everybody says, keep strong, keep strong. It's difficult to do, it's easy to say. But in that instance, you need other people Dr. Ismail explains how her faith has kept her grounded during the pandemic. I've seen a lot of my colleagues actually go into depressive episodes because of the things that we've seen. But Alhamdulillah, I haven't gone through anything like that. And I think it may be because I have trust in Allah's plan. I have faith that I was given the knowledge with the Qudrat of Allah. But ultimately, we can all plan all we want. But Allah's plans is always greater than ours. So I take comfort in knowing that. So my advice to people struggling to come to terms with the passing of their loved ones is it's hard to have lost your family members. I know that and I understand that. But we must also understand that it was already written for that person to pass away at that time in that manner. And that all we can do is be content with Allah's plan and make dua for the Muslim Ummah that Allah grants everyone genital firdaus, inshallah, ameen. And finally, Dr. Sali shares a word of encouragement to those who have laid their family members to rest during the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, do not despair in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, and that, from for me, from a medical point of view, I, I don't have any message, but as a Muslim, 
um, what all I can say is, is لا تقنطوا من رحمة الله and believe عقيدة firm belief you know in that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed everything um, that it was the time to pass away I think really one needs in this trying times to have firm belief especially in this time and to understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ar-Rahman and ar-Rahim is entirely merciful and is especially merciful for VOC News I am Anika Duplessis